Well, good morning. I'm Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, before we get things going here this morning, I want to invite the Marinos to come join me up here on stage. Everybody give them a hand. You guys can come right up here and sit on these stools. Careful, that one spins. It's a little bit of a surprise. All right. You want to tell us your names first? I'm Kaylin. I'm Eliana. All right, Eliana and Kaylin. And they are going to come up here, and I have a couple questions for you guys. How are you feeling right now? Good. Good? Good. I really appreciate you coming up and helping me out here this morning. I'm going to ask you some questions today, and you guys have not heard these questions, right? You have no idea what I'm going to ask you? All right, so this will be fun. So here's my first question for you guys. What is your favorite thing about Christmas? Spending time with my family. Spending time with your family. Oh, isn't that nice? All right, how about you? Spending time with your parents. Did you say parents? Yeah. Oh, family. Okay. I thought maybe you didn't like spending time with your siblings as much. Well, that's really, really nice that you guys like spending time with your family. What is a gift that you're hoping to get for Christmas this year? How about you, Eliana? Uh, Do you know what you want for Christmas this year? Books. Books? Is there a certain book that you really want this year? No? All right. How about you? And you like books as well? All right, awesome. You guys are readers. I love this. All right, so uh, the next question I'm going to ask you, I wasn't planning to ask you until this morning, but earlier as we were having our, our candle lighting and it was the scripture from Isaiah talking about the wolf and the leopard and the lion and all these animals and children living in peace and harmony together, it got me to thinking, if you could have an animal as a pet, would you prefer to have a goat a snake or a lion? A goat, a snake, or a lion? What do you think? A goat. You would like to have a goat? All right, how about you? Probably a snake. Probably a snake. Ooh, what kind of snake would you like to have? I don't know. Yes, yeah, so uh, Christmas, gifts, books, and then snake and goat. You heard it here first. You're welcome. All right, so we're talking today about peace. So when you hear the word peace, what does peace mean to you? What do you think? Um, Reading and not having anyone disturb me. All right, not having anybody disturb you. That is great. I love that. How about you, Valen? Quietness. Quietness. I love it. I love it. All right, last question I have for you guys. You guys are doing really great. What advice would you have for adults for how we can live at peace with each other? What's some advice that you'd have for us? Getting along with each other. Ooh, getting along with each other. I love it. What do you think, Eliana? Getting along. Getting along. I love it. All right, give them a hand. You guys did great. I can take those. All right. I love hearing the authenticity of kids. You just never know what they're going to say. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing how Christmas in the Marino household goes after they get a snake and a goat this year. For the record, I asked a couple of the Van Dorpy kids that in first service. They also said goat and snake. Nobody wants a lion, apparently. I don't know. Uh, Anyways, I love hearing the authenticity of kids, and we are continuing on today in our series, Expectations of a Child, as we take a closer look at peace. This whole series has been about looking ahead to Christmas, the expectation, the excitement of the coming arrival of baby Jesus. But also looking to Christmas through the eyes of a child. And so for all you children out there, counting down the days until Christmas, 
13 days away. We are getting close here. And when I say kids, I mean big kids too, right? Adults. You guys can be excitedly counting down the days till Christmas. But before we look ahead to this Christmas, I first want to share with you a little bit about last Christmas. Now, last year was kind of a strange year for many of us. Christmas maybe looked a little bit different. For those of you who don't know, my wife Elsie is one of 13 kids in her family. So that's a lot of people for Christmas. And last year we had almost everybody together, minus a couple of her siblings and their families. Uh, At one point during Christmas morning with piles of wrapping paper and gifts all over the living room, two of my nephews were fighting over a toy and crying. And the chaos overwhelms my baby niece and my baby nephew, who were also crying. Meanwhile, there were multiple other different conversations happening at the same time that were getting louder and louder and louder as everybody's trying to talk over each other and the screaming and the fighting and the crying. And needless to say, it was not a very peaceful Christmas morning. At that moment, it got better and we had an awesome day. It was great. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you feel like Christmas isn't always very peaceful. The truth is we live in a world that isn't always very peaceful, isn't often peaceful. There's yelling, there's screaming, fighting, finger pointing, war, chaos, tension, disagreements, arguing, lying, stress. The list goes on and on. This is the time of year that we see signs that say peace on earth. I have one of those sitting in my kitchen right now. Anybody else? Peace on earth signs? We see them all over. Peace on earth. Is there? Is there peace on earth? I mean, we look around us and how on earth are we supposed to find any peace? Is it just this idealistic concept straight out of a Hallmark Christmas movie, but not at all realistic? Well, this morning, I, I want to start in part of the Christmas story. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 if you have your devices or Bibles and want to turn there. And I would encourage you uh, this Christmas season to read the various gospel accounts of the birth story of Jesus, the Christmas story. In their entirety, there's a lot of really great thoughts and perspective that we don't have time for everything here today. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read just a small chunk of, of the story, starting in verse 6. So here's what we see, Luke 2, Luke 2, verse 6. While Mary and Joseph were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And I want to stop right here for a moment. The angels are praising God. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's where that phrase, peace on earth, comes from. 
right there. The angels, they were declaring that there be peace for those on whom God's favor rests. Well, what on earth does that mean? Let's take a step back for a minute. During Old Testament times, the Hebrew word for peace was the word shalom. You may have heard that word before, shalom. And what shalom meant was simply to be complete, to be sound, to be whole, or to live well. And really, it meant that in four main contexts. So it's talking about a wholeness of life or body, health. Secondly, it's talking about a right relationship or harmony between two parties. Thirdly, it's talking about prosperity, success, or fulfillment. And then lastly, victory over one's enemies or an absence of war. And so when it's talking about shalom, peace, in essence, it's talking about making complete and restoring, working together for each other's benefit. It's a peace within our own lives. It's a peace in our relationships. And it's a peace in our world. That peace lived out. As together we work towards that wholeness, that completeness, that restoration of relationship. There's a wholeness to peace. That's why it's spelled P-E-A-C-E and not P-I-E-C-E. Different kind of peace. Hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, as the different prophets were prophesying about the coming promised Messiah, they had a lot to say. They were expecting the Messiah to come. The people of Israel were expecting the Messiah to come as a conquering warrior king here to save them from oppression, from foreign rule. Even as we look at Isaiah, one of the earliest prophets, what he had to say about the coming Messiah, he said that the prince of peace would come, that of his government and his peace, there would be no end. And so when the people of Israel hear this, peace on earth, it meant freedom from oppression. It meant they could live and worship how they chose, completely under their own control. Well, meanwhile, this, this time period, Israel was under Roman rule, what was known as Pax Romana, Roman peace. In other words, the whole Roman Empire, all is well within its borders. There's peace. Everything is under control. And so when the people of Israel at the time of Jesus hear this phrase, peace on earth, yeah, there's this idea of shalom from way back when, but right now we just think of external peace, diplomatic peace peace, freedom from oppression. But what the angels are declaring as they declare peace is something so much more. It's so much deeper, a deeper peace, a lasting peace, a true peace not marked so much by a lack of external conflict as it is by a peace of mind and soul made possible by the Savior. It's an internal peace. Now, focusing on that phrase, those on whom his favor rests for a minute. Who are they? Well, put simply, the people who truly experience the favor and the peace of God are those who have placed their faith in him. We don't truly experience peace within, actual, real, internal peace, without taking that step of faith to confess our sins to him and begin a personal relationship with him. And I love how this is the NIV study Bible. The text note says this. It says, peace is not assured to all, but only to those pleasing to God, the objects of his good pleasure. Peace with God is received by faith in Christ, and it is on believers that his favor rests. 
Jesus brought peace by restoring us to the Father, by covering our sins so they were paid. Now, by the time of Jesus' birth, Hebrew was no longer the main language that was spoken. Greek was very widely spoken. And that new word for peace was the word arene. Arene, which it means a lot the same as shalom, but what it especially meant was a peace of mind and a tranquility arising from reconciliation with God and a sense of divine favor. There's that idea of favor again. And so how do we find peace within? We cannot hope to experience true internal peace without placing our faith in Jesus. He desires for us to experience that. He came to earth and died for us to experience that peace. And the truth is, as sinful human beings, we look everywhere for it. Whether we realize it or not, we are constantly looking for peace, trying to find peace. And everywhere we look, they all let us down, every single one, because peace is found in nowhere else than in Jesus. And if you've never placed your faith in him before, I encourage you to do that today, because peace, true peace that comes from him is unlike anything else. As we've been talking about here in this series, we have to receive him like little children, approach him like children. I love this interaction that Jesus has. This is Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 15. An interaction he has with kids. This is what Luke writes. He says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, whoever will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So how do we receive Jesus like a little child? In faith, in trust, in innocence, in humility, trusting in who Jesus is, trusting that he loves us, that he died for us, believing that his death on that cross was enough for us as we pursue a relationship with him. That's what it's all about. It's that metaphorical climbing up on your parents' lap, arms outstretched, wanting to be held, wanting to be loved, completely trusting. We have a lot to learn from children. It might not seem like it a lot of the time. You might disagree with me, but that's okay. I truly believe that kids do a much better job living in peace than adults do. So what does it look like for us to live life with a childlike peace, to live that out in our relationships as we seek peace in them. I want to give you three big ideas here this morning. First is this, quality time together. Spend quality time together. Your kids, believe it or not, they want to spend time with you. Even if it doesn't always feel like it, they want to spend time with you. Quality time is something that we as humans are meant to have with each other. Elsie and I, uh, both of us are our primary love language. The way that we love each other best is through quality time. And so when we're experiencing tension or something feels off in our relationship, usually it's because we haven't been getting good quality time together. And that might not be everybody's love language, but the truth is we were created for a relationship. We all need to spend time together. And you might say, yeah, but when I spend time together with my family or with that person or whatever, that's when conflict or that's when tension arises. And that might be true, but that's not how it's meant to be. That's not how God created it to be. When God created the earth and he put humans here, he created us to live together in peace. And that comes from actually being together. 
not from avoiding each other. And so whatever that looks like for you to live at peace in your relationships with the people around you, know that it can't come without spending some time together. We need to have that quality time together. And it's easy to think that peace as a family or peace in relationships, it just means silence and quiet. And that were, those were some of the things we heard up here earlier that are absolutely true. That's a part of peace sometimes. It's good to have those quiet, those still moments. But peace isn't just quiet or stillness. When I was four years old, uh, my parents went to the Michigan-Michigan State football game, and they took their friends instead of taking me. I was so mad that I didn't talk to them for two weeks. I grunted, I pointed, I did not talk to them. I was mad at them. I was upset with them. I missed them. I wanted to spend time with them and, you know, go to a rivalry football game. But we needed that quality time together, and it was missing. It was lacking. There was a whole lot of quiet and some stillness in our relationship, but there sure wasn't any peace. And so peace, yes, it might mean quiet or stillness at times, but it's so much more than that. Peace is a state of harmony within harmony between people. And it's important to spend time together as we seek peace in those relationships around us. And that we work through whatever tension or issues need resolve. So action step with this idea of quality time. Spend intentional quality time with one person this Christmas season. And maybe it's somebody that you have been experiencing some tension with lately. Take that step of faith. It's going to be okay. And it might bring about peace in that relationship. Second big idea. Don't hold grudges. Don't hold grudges. If Jesus held grudges against us, he never would have come in the first place. But he did. He let go of our sins. He died for those on the cross. Now, sure, kids hold grudges about things sometimes. As I was reminded after first service, I held a grudge for a couple of weeks with my parents, right? We do hold those grudges as, as kids at times, but really, kids tend to be willing to let things go. That phrase, forgive and forget. They care more about the relationship than anything. Do you remember how simple problems are as a child? I mean, you know, when you're a kid, your problems seem enormous to you. They seem huge. But then you get to be an adult and you view kid problems through the lens of adult problems. And kid problems are a lot simpler. They're a lot easily solved. You know, peace is so easy. They forget why they were fighting or they lay their differences aside. They love each other. They hug. They make up. They say sorry. All good things. It's because kids don't hold grudges. What if we were like this as adults? What if we chose to live at peace because we like how it feels, because it's a good thing, because it's how we were intended to live, to be at peace. Paul has a lot of really great things to say, Romans chapter 12. I would encourage you to give the whole chapter a read later. But I want to highlight just one verse, Romans 12, 18. And this is what he says about this idea of living at peace. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Note that it says, as far as it depends on you. I can't be responsible for how everybody else chooses to live or chooses to respond. I can't control that. I can't make them live at peace. But I can seek to be someone who chooses to live in peace, to play my part in bringing about that peace, to do whatever I can to live in and promote that. So action step, make peace. Who is 
one person that you maybe haven't been getting along with lately. There's been some tension. How can you make peace with them? What is one step you can take to see that relationship restored? Third big idea, let go and trust. Let go and trust. When a kid worries about something, what do they do? They run to their parents' arms, and as a parent, you calm their worries. You ease their fears, their stresses. And again, as we said, kid problems and adult problems aren't always the same. Adult problems can be a lot bigger. And yet, most of our adult problems could actually be solved just like kid problems. Be kind. Don't call names. Say you're sorry. Trust others. It's simple. Whatever stresses we have, whatever worries we're dealing with, we let go of those things. We give those up to the father, just as a kid brings those worries to their parents. A couple of thoughts we see in scripture here. I'm just going to bounce through these really fast. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for us. Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. This is what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, is what he says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Such simple truths. God cares for me. He's in control. His peace is so great, it's beyond our understanding. It's true peace, way better than any peace we could find anywhere else in the world, anything else that we look for. And I don't know about you and where you're at in your life right now and the, the worries that you have. I know I need this. We bought a house recently and, you know, we're, we're trying to get some work done on the house, but, but it costs money to do work to the house but there's a baby coming, so you got to get the work done and spend the money in order to be ready for the baby. And so many things, you just get caught up in this whole cycle of worry. Guess what? God is in control. He's sovereign. He's good. He's got it. It's going to be okay. He's going to take care of you and provide for your every need. Whatever those things are that you worry about, let go and trust. Give those up to God. There are countless passages of scripture where he gives us those promises to say, I'm with you. You know, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So many different things, no matter what you're walking through, God is with you in that. And I know you, you may be sitting here going, okay, we were talking about peace in our relationships, but now I'm talking about worry and that's just me. And how, what does that have to do with relationships? Well, guess what? When, when you are living in worry and anxiety and stress, that impacts the people around you. They notice. You might feel like you're pretty good at hiding those things sometimes, but the people closest to you who know you the best, it's probably not fooling them. And when we're living in that worry and in that stress, that impacts our relationships. But when we can give those things up to God, when we can live in that peace, 
trusting that he's in control, that's going to bring about further peace in our relationships with other people because they're not experiencing that worry and that stress from us. So action step, pick a worry. Identify a worry in your life and find a passage of scripture that, that speaks to that worry or concern, whatever it might be. Talk to God about it as you give it up to him and trust him to take control. So we talked about peace within. We talked about peace in our relationships. Now let's address this idea of peace in our world. Now, I couldn't come up here and give you all the, the best, biggest ideas uh, to solve world peace and figure all that out. We'd be here for a long time. But as we said, we live in a world that isn't very peaceful. So how do we bring about peace in a world that's lacking it? Well, if I'm experiencing peace within through a relationship with Jesus, if I'm experiencing peace in my relationships with those around me, that's going to better help me and help us to live out and bring about that peace in the world around us. It starts within. Am I going to be perfect at it? Absolutely not. We all still sin. We all have room to grow in that. But it doesn't need to keep us from living out, bringing about that peace. Even being known as a man or woman of peace. That's an idea that we see in scripture that I think is so cool. Imagine that. People know you to be a man or woman of peace. And it's not about you. It's about the Jesus who lives in you to bring about that peace in you. We live in a world that needs that peace. Where do we get it? When 1914, in the midst of World War I, Christmas was approaching and something unthinkable happened. Roughly 100,000 French, British, and German troops called for a ceasefire for 24 hours. For one whole day, they laid down arms, they stopped fighting, and they celebrated the birth of our Savior. They came out of the trenches, they entered into no man's land, they exchanged greetings. There are reports of candles lit, of Christmas carols sung, food and souvenirs swapped, joint burial ceremonies, prisoner swaps, soccer games were played. Stories shared. In the midst of one of the worst wars in history, something bigger was able to bring about peace, and that was Jesus. It's an incredible thing, and I'd encourage you to look more of that story up later. It's really, really cool. Now, I'm not just arguing for just a one-day ceasefire in our world, because we ought to be living out peace every day, not just on Christmas. It's not just a one-day thing. But we need to recognize that Jesus is greater, that he is, is bigger, that his birth is miraculous, that he is worth laying aside all of our frustration and all of our desire and all of the tension aside. He's better than all of that. He is the gift. So I want to challenge us, church, to lay our differences aside this Christmas season, to focus on the common ground that we have with somebody else. Because if two sides of World War I who hated each other's guts can lay down arms and find peace together, then so can we. As followers of Jesus, we show who we are by our peace. It has to start right here in the church. Do we live in peace together? Because if we're not living in peace together as a church, we are not going to be living out that peace in the world around us. Guaranteed. When the world is fighting, do we jump in right alongside them, fighting needlessly over our differences? 
I mean, what kind of witness is that? If we don't stand out in a good way, why are people going to want anything to do with that Jesus guy we talk about? Or do we choose to live and respond differently? To pursue that peace despite our differences? That we embrace everyone, that we listen to where they're coming from, even if we don't agree with them. It shouldn't keep us from living out that peace. A couple of thoughts I want to share with you that, have, uh, that Scripture has to say about being peacemakers, living out that peace in our world. I'm going to run through a couple of, th- of thoughts here. Matthew 5, 9, one of the Beatitudes that Jesus shares the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. James 3.18, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Proverbs 12.20, There's deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. We find joy when we live out peace. We talked about joy last week. It's amazing how these are all connected. Psalm 34.14, Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Finally, something that Jesus shares with his disciples soon before he goes to the cross. John 14, 27, he says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He is with us. Jesus has given us his peace. He had that peace within because of a right relationship with the Father. He lived out that peace in his relationships. He spoke the truth in love. He reconciled, he de-escalated situations, and he brought about peace for our world through coming to this earth, through his perfect sinless life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus always lived out the way of peace. And if he could do that, then so can we. We have the Holy Spirit living in us as followers of Jesus. This morning, one of the songs we sang is the song, Peace Be Still. You may have heard it before. If not, uh, you heard it this morning. It's a great song. There's a line in there I want to highlight for a moment. It says, peace be still. You are here, so it is well. Peace means I can rest easy knowing that Jesus is here. All is well. That's why Christmas brings peace. That's why the birth of Jesus brings peace. As a child, you can rest easy and feel comforted. You can be at peace knowing that your parents have you, that you can feel at peace resting in their arms. You can take that deep breath, knowing that all is well. And so this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to slow down, take a step back, take a deep breath, to take it all in. In the midst of the chaos in our world, a baby cries. The Prince of Peace is born. He has come to bring us peace. Thank him. Worship him for that. Enjoy it. Let's seek peace and pursue it with the heart of a child this Christmas, knowing that it's not just about one day. It's not just about one season. It's about living that out year round because we get to be in a personal relationship with the Prince of peace. So is there peace on earth? Church, that's up to you. Are you going to live that out? Are you going to find that peace within through Jesus? 
Are you going to seek that peace in your relationships as you seek to bring about peace on earth, not because of who you are or what you've done, but because of who Jesus is, because of the Jesus we celebrate this time of year? So as we close here, I want to pray over you some thoughts. And this is not coming from me. I want to pray a couple of passages of scripture that Paul prays for various churches that he was writing to, that he was ministering to. And so um, I just encourage you just to listen to this, to know that this, this is my prayer for you as you go from this place today, uh, as you seek to be men and women of peace. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here together, to experience a personal relationship and to worship the Prince of Peace. Lord, in the midst of a world that so often doesn't seem peaceful, we thank you that you came, that you embodied that peace, and that you have empowered us by your spirit to do the same, to live out that peace. Lord, I pray for these people here, gathered together in person and and online, that they would seek to be men and women of peace. That as God's chosen people, Lord, as your chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that we would clothe ourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility and gentleness and patience, that we would bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances that we may have against one another, that we would forgive as you have forgiven us. And over all these virtues, Lord, that we would put on love, which binds all together in perfect unity. Or that you would allow the peace, your peace, to rule in our hearts. Because as members of one body, we have been called to peace. It starts here. And Lord, you, you are the God of peace. May you sanctify us through and through. May our whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at your coming. And may you, Father, the Lord of peace, give us peace at all times and in every way that we would know that you are with us. Father, I pray for anybody here today who is lacking peace. Lord, I pray that whatever we all need to take away from this time together this morning, to to live out that peace in relationship, that you would give us the courage to take that step of faith towards someone, to reconcile, to live in peace as we seek to bring about peace here on earth. And Lord, for anybody who's not experiencing that peace within through a relationship with you, pray that you would stir in their hearts to take that step of faith to trust you today. Or that they would pray something like this, Jesus, I, I believe in you. I believe that you love me, that you came to this earth as a baby, as the Prince of Peace, as the Messiah and Son of God that you lived a perfect, sinless life and died on the cross for my sins. Lord, I confess those to you. I give those up to you and believe that you resurrected from the grave to give me new life. Lord, help me to experience that peace within through a relationship with you. God, you are so good to us. We worship you in this place. 
I pray for each person here, Lord, that we would live out that peace that you have called us to. So Father, it's in your amazing, awesome, wonderful, Prince of Peace name that we pray. Amen.